Beautiful, awesome stuff. How's everyone going tonight? You doing okay? Excellent stuff. Hey, we had um, an incredible week of worship here. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Saturday nights we came together. And um, thanks, Amanda. And we just sought God's face. Last year at our week of worship, um, we had maps of Australia, maps of Queensland and all over the world and all the names of the people in our church and all the ministries and everything that goes on and all the schools and everything and we busied ourselves praying for all of those things and there is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But this year, we decided to seek God's face. And while we were seeking God's face, you know, lots of things happened. Lots of people came in. We had um, a lady walk in off the street and uh, just uh, gave her heart to Jesus for the first time. Uh, we had 24 young people at, at youth group on Friday night made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Um, we're having, um, you know, we're seeing little miracles happen along the way with what God is doing in our own lives and in the lives of our church community and beyond. And so in this year of expansion, I'm pretty excited about what God's gonna do. I'm pretty excited about what he's going to do um, in us. But I was thinking back this week about to the 26th of February, 2022, and the headlines in the Meribara Chronicle were, Meribara Flood, to be bigger than last month's flood. Meribara's flood to be bigger than last month's flood. Now, all in all last year, we had an unprecedented five floods in Meribara. Some bigger than others. We had two big ones at the beginning of the year and three small ones as the, as the, as the, um, the year wore on. But on the 26th of February, 2022, Meribara flood to be bigger than last month. And you know what it was? It was a big flood. But one thing about Meribara that we're fortunate about is that we get about three days warning. We get about three days warning when the, when the waters are coming down the river. I know that because uh, we live in Granville, it's time to go and beat all the other people in Meribara to get bread and milk um, and toilet paper. Um, because if, we, if you don't get in there early, there is nothing left. I mean, there are people who live right next door to the supermarket who have in there buying 54,000 loaves of bread um, and toilet paper that you're fighting over and milk. My goodness, we need milk. We live next door to the supermarket and we're going to run out of milk because there's a flood coming to Maribyrnong. They're preparing and getting ready. And I want to say... Um, that we can't stop it from coming, but we're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to prepare for it. 2023 is our year to get ready. Revival is coming, there's no doubt about that. Expansion is coming and there's no doubt about that. Miracles, signs and wonders are coming and there's no doubt about that. A, cha a change in your circumstances is coming and there's no doubt about that. It's our time to get ready. It's coming. Let's get ready. We can't stop what God is going to do, but we can be ready for what he is going to do. 
I don't want to be caught like, you know, it's okay to sit and say, oh, the floodwaters are coming and, you know, I live on the banks of the Mary River and they say it's going to go to 11 metres, but it's not going to affect me because I don't go underwater unless it's 8 metres. Well, that's a stupid statement, isn't it? No, no, I don't need to get ready because um, I don't need to get ready because I, I don't even believe it's coming. I don't even believe it's coming. Well, I don't care whether you believe it's coming or not, it's coming. And that, that is going to turn up at your place and your house will be five metres underwater whether you like it or not. And whether you stand there and shout it and say, don't come, it's still going to come. The only difference was you weren't ready. And I want to tell you t tonight, this is not a popular message. This is not a popular message, but we need to get ready for what God is going to do in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our nation. And we are getting the opportunity to get ready. And I don't want um, all of the stuff that God's going to do in our nation to fall on me and I'm not ready. Now, I'm, tonight, I am probably about, let me say I'm probably about six weeks in front of you. Okay? I'm about six weeks in front of you at the present moment. So you, tonight we're going to get caught up and we're going to be about the same place because um, I don't really know what God is going to do. But from the, from the, um, the time the hailstorm hit our house um, until now, um, all I know is that God has been working on me and getting me ready for what he is going to do in our church moving into the future. So if you want to ask me, what does um, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December get, look like? I'm going to say I have no idea because I don't know. All I know is God is getting us ready to do something incredible. And I'm going to give you three keys tonight that God gave me to get ready um, if you want to not just get caught unawares. Is that okay? Awesome stuff. You've heard me say it. Probably you'll hear me say it a million times. What do you think my first point is tonight? Seek God's face. Luke 2 verse 41 to 46 says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When, uh, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was um, in their company, they travelled on for a day and then they began looking for him. Among their relatives and friends, began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Now, I don't know as a parent how that affects you. Have, has anyone ever lost a child? Has anyone ever thought, I've been, there's been times when I've thought, Amanda's got Danielle and Brittany and Amanda thinks I've got them and there's that, oh, that um, fear. You know, I remember when we had our shop downtown, Amanda had a job interview um, at the shop and I had a... Um, I had a, um, to work the shop and we had a, an elderly lady who used to come in and she was lovely and she offered to look after Danielle while Amanda had her interview, which was so lovely. And, um, and 
then after about 20 minutes, I'm starting to think, where are they? Like they were only going for a walk around the block. Where are they? 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And I'm getting frantic. And I just said to Amanda, I don't care whether we go broke, but I'm going to look for Danielle. And I found them in the park and Danielle was crying and the lady who didn't know what to do with her, so she just sat down. And I tell you what, my heart was in my mouth that day. I didn't have any idea what was going on. But I do know that um, when Jesus, when Mary and Joseph um, realised that neither of them had their eye on Jesus, after having a few words with each other, I'm sure they did. This is your responsibility, Joseph. No, Mary, you said you were going to look after him. Hang on a second. There would have been a few words, I can guarantee it. But when they were looking out over the crowd, when they were looking out over all of the people they were travelling with, obviously a fair few because otherwise they would have known that Jesus wasn't with them. They were with a whole group of people and they'd travelled a day on. They were not looking for his hands. They were not looking for his feet. They were looking for Jesus' face in the crowd. They were looking for Jesus' face in the crowd to see where is Jesus? Where is my boy? They weren't going, oh, that's his feet there. Or, or, oh, I think that's his hands. I'm looking for my boy's face. I'm looking for the face of Jesus. This year, on my holidays at Christmas time, to my own disgust of myself, and I will say that, I realised when I was walking up and down the beach one day um, after having some long conversations with uh, God about things, I realised that he said, I want you to sink my face. And I closed my eyes and I could see nothing but Jesus' hands. I could see his hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're going to provide for me. Thank you, Lord, that if our vehicles are written off, you're going to give us a better one. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to look after the people in my church while I'm away on holidays. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to heal the person that came up to me this week and said they need healing. Thank you, God, that our youth will be protected. Thank you, God, for provision of finances in uh, my job. Thank you for provision of finances for Amanda. Thank you that she's a chaplain. All good stuff, by the way. Seeking God's hands. I'd forgotten how to seek God's face. And I am determined this year to seek God's face in everything that I do. You will be sick to death of me talking about seeking God's face, but that's all we're going to do as a church is seek God's face and believe that everything else will fall into place. Can anybody tell me that by seeking anything else but God's face, they can do better than him? Because I'll come and have a talk to you if you can do better than seeking Jesus' face. All I know is that Jesus' face is what changes the circumstances that you find yourself in. It says in Psalm 105 verse 4, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Psalm 27 verse 8, My heart says to you, seek His face and we said, Lord, your face I will seek. Yes. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in the temple. And Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14 says, And you will seek me, and you will find me, when you search for me with all your heart, 
I will be found by you, says the Lord. So there's a promise that if you start seeking God's face, he will be found. Now, I must confess, I have been looking at the face of Jesus. We have put a face of Jesus. I'm sure everybody's got an opinion. They'll debate. That's not the face of Jesus. This is the face of Jesus. I don't really give a rip um, what you think. The face of Jesus that is sitting on my wall at home is the face of Jesus to me, um, the one that I've chosen to use. And I, every time I want to get to the place where I close my eyes, I see that only. And I'm seeking God's face in everything that I do. Psalm 63 verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalm 105 verse 4, which I read before, says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. And Psalm 27 verse 8 says, When, when you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. I want to say that, the, that this week, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a morning person. I don't know about you. I'm a night owl. I, I love um, being, getting up late. But Amanda's gone out of the room, so she's a bit of a con artist, actually. Um, because for me, we used to actually have a bit of a compromise there. Because when we first got married, Amanda and I, uh, she's a morning person and I'm a night owl. So we would cross paths in the middle of the night. Like I'd be going to bed when she was getting up. Um, and it was like that anyway. So we made a compromise that, you know, she'd stay up a little bit later and I'd go to bed a little bit earlier. And we made a little bit of a compromise in there. But I think what has happened over the years, and I've twigged onto it, that Amanda has pushed more her way. And now we get up much, we go to bed much earlier and get up much earlier than I really want. And I feel like I've been conned. But that's okay, because during the week of worship, God said to me, every day of the nights that we are coming here, I want you to get up and seek my face and see the sunrise. And I said, that sucks. <laughs> but you know what, I did it. I got up the first morning, I, I looked, I'm going to be brutally honest with you, Monday morning was 5.24 was when the sun rises over Granville, 5.24. I set my alarm for 5.23. Um, I knew I could get up, make a cup of coffee, be out there and sitting there and seeking God's face. And so I thought I was going to be really clever and just do that. And I got out there and it was already daylight. I thought, oh, that's no fun. So the next day I looked, it was 5.25. And I said to God, I'll set my alarm for 5.15 and God woke me up at 4.30. <laughs> and he said, now go and make a cup of coffee and get out there. And that's what happened every day. I woke up at 4.30 or quarter to five and I went out and I watched the sunrise every morning and I was seeking God's face for, um, for what God would have for me. I wasn't sitting there looking at my caravan going, God, this has been written off and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're going to provide me with another one, God. Our vehicles are written off. I don't know. I'm worried about our roof. I'm worried about all those things. God said, stop. Seek my face and all of that stuff will fall into place. We worry way too much about things we can't change. How do we seek God's face? Because it's easy. I found it really hard to just seek God's face because I want to start praying about things. 
I want to start praying about things all the time. I'm a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, not a list person, but I like to get through all of those things. And how do you do it? Well, for me, this is what I've done. I've put aside my own agenda. I've put aside my whole agenda. I've started to worship God. I put on worship music now. When we're at home, we have a room where we just play worship music all the time. I've decided every morning to say, God, today I'm going to trust you. And I've decided to get in agreement with God and his plans for my life. Do you know what? I can't make anything. Like, I'm one of those people that, you know, I feel like um, we should be looking at least for another car. You know, our car's written off and we haven't got a car. We should be looking for another car. And God said to me, I've got another car for you. Seek my face. Don't worry about that. Seek my face. I'm going, yeah, but, 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 but what? Seek my face. Do you think that I haven't got it sorted? No, I know you've got it sorted. Well, then don't worry about it. Seek my face. And wow, that's been a challenge. I want to tell you tonight that I can't solve your problems. As the pastor of Powerhouse Church, oh, I know you're disappointed about that. I can't solve your problems. Even more than that, it's worse than that. You can't solve your problems. And then it even gets worse again, Powerhouse Church. We can't solve your problems. But Jesus can. Jesus can. We make life so complicated sometimes, don't we? We get so complicated about everything that's going on. We worry about everything that happens in life. But all we need to do is say, I know you can do it, Lord Jesus. I know you've got it. I'm going to seek your face and trust you. Take the pressure off. You'll see your blood pressure go down. You'll see your cholesterol drop. You'll see the weight fall off. You'll see that you want to get up and run more in the morning at 4.30, Chris. And oh, did I say that out loud? No, I didn't mean that, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there at 4.30 in the morning in my dreams and, um, and that'll be fine. No, God is the only one who can do what needs to happen in your life. I've been reading this, uh, I, re- I read this book in the holidays called Creating... Um, Creating a habitation for God's glory, becoming a resting place for his power and presence. You doing okay? Am I getting some good scores down the back? Oh, oh, good stuff. Yeah, I've got three scores down the back tonight. That's great. So, (laughs) and um, I want to read you a story um, out of that book. And I'll never forget what happened to Samuel, a 10-year-old boy. He was not only born legally blind and he had a crooked left eye. The doctors also told his parents to prepare themselves because their precious son would never be able to read as an adult. The reason he had a severe form of dyslexia was diagnosed with that, and when Samuel was in third grade, he was reading at a kindergarten level. One day, as I shared my vivid vision of fire on the water, this is this pastor in in Atlanta, Georgia, when I shared my vision of the fire on the water and told the remarkable story of our revival, I invited people to be baptised and more than 100 people responded. Samuel um, was one of them. The presence of God was strong on the Beth Hallow Synagogue in Birmingham, Alabama, and Samuel decided all by himself that he wanted to be baptised. His reason? He, he wanted his eyes to be healed. Rabbi David Schneer took Samuel by the hand as he slowly descended the steps into the water where he was immersed. 
Jesus met Samuel in the water. I want to tell you, it's got nothing to do with the water. It's Jesus that you meet in the water. It was so sweet and powerful when he came up out of the water. He was visibly shaking. He was trembling. I watched him and wanted to know what was going on in and around him. As he climbed the stairs, they placed a towel around his shoulders and gave him his glasses. He put his glasses on and immediately took them off and said, these don't work anymore. While in the water, Jesus healed his eyes and now Samuel has perfect vision. Jesus also straightened his crooked eye. And last time I talked to Samuel's parents, Samuel was reading at a third grade level because God had also healed his dyslexia. How awesome is that? It's got nothing to do with the water. Samuel met Jesus in the water and Jesus healed him. Now you think, oh, that's just words written down. I actually went hunting today. I was actually not, I actually wasn't hunting for that story. I was listening to a, 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 a church service online and lo and behold, the story of Samuel was the story that they told at the end of the service. And they had a video of him and his family. They had a video of him being baptised. They had a video of everything. And he testifies that God has changed his life forever. All because he's seeking God's face. You're doing okay? Now here's the one you won't like. Okay, seeking God's face is great. But here's the word that we don't hear very much in church. Here's the word that nobody wants to hear in church. What is that word, Chris? Repent. Oh, oh. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land Acts 3 verse 19 says Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord I want that Isaiah 44 says, Remember these things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you, you are my servant, Israel, and I will not forget. I have swept away your offences like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Repent is not a word that people like to use in church these days. Repent's not a word that I even like to hear because it's not a pleasant word. Repent is a feeling of, or an expression of sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. I want to say to you tonight, when was the last time you had sincere regret or remorse over the state of your soul? Your attitude, your apathy, your sin, your addiction, your deep drift from God. Sincere regret or remorse. When God speaks to you about things that you need to change, you just need to do it. I remember in my six-week journey leading up to this, I got to chapter 27 in the book, And it started talking about these things. If you want to host God, if you want to have a breakout of the Holy Spirit in your church, if you want to see things break out in your own life, then you need to repent. And I thought, I need to put this book down and walk away for a bit. 
and go and say, God, am I ready? Am I really ready? Because there are things that I might have to deal with that I don't really know whether I'm ready to deal with them. And I can guarantee you're in exactly the same boat as me. And I went back to my caravan and I said to God, not that same day, by the way, it was the next day because I didn't want to not take it seriously. I went back and I said, God, I am ready to listen to you and repent of the things in my life that don't please you. Please start carving them out. And he started to speak to me about some things that I needed to get out of my life. And he started speaking to me, some big things, some little things. And you know, I've had to come home and I've had to go and find people and apologise. And I've had to um, let things go. And you know, I said to Amanda, um, not a big deal. It's not a big deal, but I don't like bad drivers. I don't like being behind people who are going slow. I don't like any of that stuff. And I'm a little bit of a road rageaholic. And I made a decision that that really wasn't a good um, witness. What about when I've got Darcy and Taylor in the back of the bus and I'm going, you stupid idiot, hurry up, get off the lights, you moron. And Jesus loves you, by the way. Who has not done that? Come on, come on. Oh, I must be the only one. Okay, I'm a rageaholic. <laughs> I need to go to um, Road Rageaholics Anonymous. But I've made a decision that I will not do that anymore. It's not a good witness. It's not a good thing to do. I don't need to do it. All it does is raise my blood pressure and get me to a place that it doesn't really make any difference. And you know what? God has tried me on it. Oh, I got behind the other day coming back from Gympie. I got behind a truck that was full, laden, going up a hill and the lights were green. I could see them in front of me. He was only one in front of me. It was lights, truck, me. And you know what? The lights turned green and we started to move. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to make it through the lights. And I didn't. He did. And I felt like getting really cross at him. But I said, thank you, God, that that guy's got a job and he's doing something. He must be struggling in that truck not to get it through the lights. You know, and that was okay. But then I turned the corner and guess who's in front of me? Him again. At the next set of lights, same thing. And we go around the roundabout and up the hill. And where is he? Right there. And God was saying, it's okay. Calm your farm. And I had to repent of my bad attitude as a driver and go, you know, that's not going to help anybody. And I remember years ago, and God took me back to a story of years ago, because I haven't always been like that. And I remember years ago, um, I was driving a bus full of um, intellectually impaired adults. It was part of my job. And we were going on an outing. And as we drove up the road, um, there was a car in front of me and it had its blinker on to go into a driveway. And so I just pulled off to go around the shoulder and pulled off to go around um, this car. And this... Um, as I got level with the car, the lady decided that there was no room 
in that driveway and so she pulled back out. And so I swerved off the road to miss her. But you know those uh, gutters that were like as deep as this with the culvert over the top where you just drive over a really deep gutter? I was in a 24-seater bus and I hit that doing 60 kilometres an hour. And I bounced up onto the footpath and ripped everything out from underneath that bus that would stop us from moving forward. I hit a tree. I hit another tree. All four wheels were now on the footpath. The bus broadsided sideways and took out the neighbour's fence and the bus rolled onto its side and we come to rest under another tree with eight people with intellectual impairment in the bus. We were not hurt, we got out. I ran back down the road, there's power lines everywhere, the lady's going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, it's okay, it's okay. We're not hurt, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm fine. She said, I'm so sorry I shouldn't have pulled out. I said, it doesn't matter, it's okay. And the police came and um, sorted everything out. Three weeks later, Thursday night shopping in Mackay. I'm walking through the shops and this new girl from youth group runs up to me and she goes, Graham, Graham, come and meet mum. Hello, Mrs. Morassi. We have met before. I wonder what would have happened if I had actually just gone off it up. And God reminded me, that's the Graham I want. That's the Graham I want. It says in Acts 3 verse 19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that there's times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And 1 John 1 9 says that we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I was going to read you another story, but I'll paraphrase it for you. In the same book, this lady is talking about her son Isaac and she felt that there was something wrong in her pregnancy and she went up to the hospital and they had an x-ray and found out that the, the cord was wrapped around his neck. But because the hospital was so busy and no doctors available, they sent her home. And when that little boy was born, um, he had some serious brain issues and some serious issues with learning and he had some serious struggles. They're at church one Sunday morning talking about repentance and forgiveness. And the mum and dad said, we need, to, um, we need to somehow find our way to forgive the doctors and the nurses and just say, this is, we're just gonna move on. And they, they decided to do that. And um, the next day at home, they repented and prayed and asked God to, um, to take that away. Wednesday, they received a call from Isaac's teacher and she was crying, talking about how Isaac's reading and schoolwork had dramatically improved overnight. He was reading books at school, adding numbers and even putting together fractions. Remember, Isaac wasn't able to read anything, even with tutoring, homeschooling, for a season private therapy and after school help. But today he continues to improve, including sentence structure, 
sensory processing and overall academic improvement. It's a miracle. The breakthrough for Isaac came the night his parents chose to forgive the neglect of the doctors. Without question, it has been difficult, but their obedience has been excellent for their son. I want to tell you tonight, maybe you need to repent of things in your life that won't take you to the place that God wants you to go. Now, don't come and ask me what your sins are, because i got enough of my own. i got enough problems of my own with my own sins. And then I have to deal with Gordon and, um, as well. No, Gordon, he's fine. I want to tell you tonight that we're going to open up the altar in a little bit. But it's not about coming and getting absolution from the pastor. It's not about coming and getting absolution or someone to pray for you. It's about you coming and repenting and saying, I need to get you to forgive me for this. I need to move on from this. I need to forgive this person. And maybe tonight when you go home, you need to pick up the telephone and ring someone. Maybe tomorrow you need to invite someone out for a coffee. Maybe you have to eat humble pie and do something. And believe me, in the last six weeks, I've had to do that. Remember, I'm six weeks in front of you. But you know what? Even worse than that, it hasn't finished yet. It hasn't finished yet. I'm still working on things that God wants me to take out of my life so that I can seek his face and see what he wants to happen here in our church. The third thing I'm going to say very quickly is we need to see, when, all, when we do those things, we will see God move in our lives. In Deuteronomy 20 verse 4, it says, For the Lord your God... It is he who goes with you and will fight for you against the enemies and give you great victory. And in Thessalonians it says, But the Lord is faithful and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And in Romans 8 it says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When we start seeking his face and we come into a place of repentance, we start to see God move. And another great book that I read over the holidays, and this is the last story, and then I'm going to hand it over to, to you guys. There's this place in Wales called Paldy Brennan. It's a Christian uh, centre where you can go and they believe in just blessing people and letting God do what God does best, working on your heart. And there was a group of pastor's wives from the area in Wales that thought they didn't know each other very well and they thought it would be lovely for them to go to this retreat centre and seek God's face for themselves. And so they thought it would be lovely to go for some walks and chat and do all of those things. And so they laid out all of their clothes on the um, Friday night, ready for their Saturday morning walk up to the cross and do all those things. And they went down for breakfast. And one of the women said grace. And as she said grace, the power of God fell on the whole room. And those, all the women fell off their chairs onto the floor. It was midnight that night when they finally all sprang back into action. And they thought, wow. And they had something to eat and thought maybe tomorrow we'll get the walk in. 
So the next day they came down for breakfast and they thought, we're not going to ask that Pentecostal pastor's wife to say grace anymore. We're going to pick the one we think is the least of all of those. So they picked um, a nun to say grace. And the same thing happened all over again. And when they came out from under the power of the Holy Spirit at midnight, they called their husbands and said, come and receive from God and see what He's doing in our midst. And I wanna say tonight that as we seek God's face, as we repent, we're gonna see God move in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our nation. And I don't stand up here saying I've got all the answers. I don't stand up here saying I've got it all right. But I do stand up here tonight saying that I'm gonna get out of the way. And I'm gonna let God do what God wants to do. I'm gonna let God unfold His plan. And I'm gonna open up an opportunity for you tonight to get your life right with God. I'm gonna open up an opportunity tonight for you to get your life right with God. You're gonna go, oh, but I'm too old to come to the altar. That'll be embarrassing. Um, I can't do that. I can't come and kneel at the altar because I'm, um, I'm, I'm supposed to have it all together. Well, come and join me because I ain't got it all together and I'm 58, so that's cool. If you can't humble yourself before God, then I promise you, you won't see anything happen in your life. Big statement, but it's the truth. If people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal them and heal our land. So tonight, as we close, if you wanna to come to the front and kneel, sit, whatever, it's up to you. You can come and start a journey of finding your way back to where God wants you to be. If you're out here tonight, you know, don't want anyone to pray for you, that's fine. If you do want someone to pray for you, give us a wave and someone will come your way. Someone will come your way. That'll be awesome. But Lord, tonight, as we finish with this song, I pray that You speak to our hearts and You cause us to turn from the things that don't please You. Be game enough to ask You, what am I doing that doesn't please You? And then change it. And see God do amazing things in your life. Let's stand.